Good morning, and the conversation begins here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. It's going to be a beautiful but chilly WIP day. No matter where you go, though, take on 94 WIP with you. Good conversation always here. And when we come back in just a bit, our expert on all things spin, Bob Newman, he's going to give us his take on the first 100 days of Donald Trump as president of these United States. The president and a whole lot more coming up here on 94 WIP, the WIP time, 601. And we're back, and we're going to do an assessment of Donald Trump's first 100 days. First of all, is a 100-day marker a fair place to assess a president's performance? That's one of the questions I'm going to ask my guest, Bob Newman, spin doctor extraordinaire. Good morning, Bob Newman. Good morning, Peter Solomon. Um, you know, it was, it was FDR who, in July of 1933, started this by talking about 100 days in the Congress, not even 100 days in the presidency. And it has it's kind of stuck since then. I don't subscribe to it, really. I mean, we could sit here and we could talk about a checklist or a scorecard that included Gorsuch or regulations or health care. Um, or we could uh, we could really look in a humorous way and say, you know, Trump has, has talked about the job being harder or he's, he's actually been humorous at times or his appeal is down at 40 percent. But again, to me, the the sports analogy that really has come out here is is destructive for us. It's destructive for the republic. It earns money for people like Jeff Zucker at CNN. Even Trump will like it, as he as he talked about. He could hit 60 out of the 100 proposals during the campaign. But I think what we need to look at, and I have, boy, about 30, although they go really quickly, markers on what we have learned about Donald Trump and how he will manage um, over the next four years. What's 100 days? Does it really matter? No. Four years will matter, and then as the election comes up in 2001, 18, and then 20, more importantly, you know, what will happen uh, what will happen for us ongoing. So I think here are some things, and feel free to jump in if, uh, if you would like. Um, we have first learned that he'll continue to manage as he does, as he always has in the Trump company. He uh, will do it seat of the pants. He will build relationships, he'll upend systems, and he'll set people against each other. Um, the second thing we've learned is that he, he can learn on the job, as we have seen. He's learned on the job in terms of dealing with uh, entities like NATO, dealing with company, uh, countries like Iran, or even uh, the immigration deal, which he had to look over. Um, we've learned Ed, that he will continue to communicate, uh, be his own communicator, and that will be most important. And his communication will continue to be exaggeration and hyperbole. He will sow, sow doubt all the time, something that I think has come from his years in court where he will always, you know, uh, create doubt in people's minds. Well, maybe it wasn't Russia. Maybe it was China. Um, he will create conflict in his communications, but then go back and create relationships. I mean, look at what he has done uh, here. He said last week that we shouldn't pay for the missile defense system going into South Korea. He on his own without White House or national security staff or State Department invited uh, the Killer Duarte uh, of the Philippines to the White House. He even said that uh, he would have great respect and it would be an honor to meet with Kim Jong-un. And he has fought with our allies like, uh, like Australia um, on, the, uh, on the phone. Um, next, he's not afraid of battles, Peter, at all. Um, battles that he created last week with the 20% tariff on Canada, battles with Australia, those in the air with Russia, or even uh, those threatening nuclear with uh, North Korea. And internally, look what he does with the Freedom Caucus. He's in one day, he's out another day. Um, 
against his best judgment. I think he's begun to love foreign policy. But as McMaster said, he's a disruptor in foreign policy. Look what he's done on one day praising Israel and backing them. On the next day, having Jason Greenblatt as Mideast coordinator and Jack. Jared Kushner, his Mideast coordinator, having dinner in Georgetown with Mohammed Abbas. Um, he, you know, he, what he has done in Syria, what he has done in the Korean Peninsula, again, disruptive in foreign policy. Um, he's out there, as we have seen, to destroy the Obama legacy. It could be, Peter, um, about school lunch programs, or it could be about the Affordable Care Act. We have seen that he relies on generals, okay? Not only at the NSC, not a, with McMaster, or defense with Mattis, or with Homeland with Kelly, but he just named to head the Secret Service Tex Alleys, a Marine Corps general, um, because that, again, is who he, uh, he trusts. Remember, he knew more than generals right now. He's having them run the administration. Um, we've learned that the deal is most important to him. I think if he had to pass a socialist uh, uh, plan on health care, he would do it just to say that he had passed it. And we have learned in terms of the deal that everything is an opening salvo. Does he really think he'll get a 15% uh, corporate tax? No, he'll probably get 25 but that's the deal maker in him. We have learned that he'll ignore ethics questions, okay, have no problem at all about, you know, having um, the Pentagon rent space at Trump Tower or the Kushner family out last week in China, um, you know, uh, you know uh, really working off of their contacts in Washington. And then having Rupert Murdoch introduce him last, uh, last week at the Australian dinner in New York, knowing that Murdoch is now being investigated through Fox News by the, uh, by the Trump Justice Department. He doesn't really have a problem with what those conflicts are. He really learned nothing from the Flynn situation. Um, we have seen that he shows a lack of respect for history or even knowledge for history and even for the workings of government. Um, you know, we, we all know the cases of him using the present tense with Frederick Douglass. We know what he has said about Andrew Jackson uh, being angry about the Civil War, which started 16 years after, uh, after his death. Um, you know, to, uh, to, to move on, um, he does not like the trappings of D.C. at all. They, they, they turn him off. Every weekend, he's off to Maya Largo. Now he's off to Bedminster in New Jersey. Um, he works hard, okay, like every president has to, but he has really demanded some time by his chief of staff, uh, Rice Priebus, for his, for his own time in the White House. He doesn't like really the constant that is thrown at minute by minute. He wants to be able to, uh, to take a breath. Um, one thing we've learned that I think is curious is there's really two things here. There's Trump himself and there's the government going on behind the scenes, okay, and more so than in most presidents. Last week, the National Security Advisor named an excellent assistant for South uh, Asian affairs. Her name is Lisa Curtis. She will take it hard to the Pakistanis. She's well regarded by all in Washington. She will go after uh, the al-Qaeda leader, uh, Aman al-Zahari, and she probably will contribute to taking down ISIS. So on the one hand, we worry about what Trump is like out there. On the other hand, he fully is letting his administration fill itself out with really strong Washington hands. Um, we've learned that he believes his legacy will be in the uh, Arab-Israeli conflict and in terms of solving it, as well as knocking out ISIS. And he will do anything to do that, whether it be one day with Israel, the next day with the Palestinians. Um, when I said earlier that we've learned that he loves foreign, he, he will begin to love foreign policy, he's off to Saudi Arabia, Israel, and the Vatican in the next week. And we know the Pope in the past has, has criticized him. Um, we've learned that he's unclear on what to do in North Korea and Iran, okay? And that's, you know, a bit worrisome. Um, 
we've learned that he will he will take credit for things that he's not responsible for in terms of uh, the economy or sending out pictures of us building a wall when that wall is just a Bush administration repair budget that uh, had been going on and CNN caught him uh, or caught the administration in this. We've learned that he will rely on his old, wealthy, white friends, okay? These are the people that every night he will pick up the phone, uh, these white males, and ask how things are going. We've learned that he'll rule by executive order far more than even the Obama administration had. And then um, we have learned that he will criticize the press uh, in, a, in an aggressive way, but at the same time, Peter, he will provide more access to the press than the Obama administration and others uh, have in the past, giving long interviews in the past week to the AP first, to Reuters second, and to CBS John Dickerson third, although he did exit, you know, asked him to leave pretty quickly when he wasn't happy. We've learned that his number one advisor is Ivanka Trump, okay, and his number one implementer is Jared Kushner. We've learned that the alt-right won't be happy necessarily with, with him, and, and maybe the even will the, uh, the fundamentalist Christians, okay? And that, that really doesn't bother him in the, uh, in the end. Um, we've learned that he hates being outshined. Angry at Bannon for being on the front of Time magazine. Angry at Kushner for showing himself in Iraq, even at times being angry at his daughter, and especially angry at people like the Mercer family who have put money behind him and his campaign and Breitbart and others for trying to control him. Um, we've learned that, at that what he really cares about is the military, veterans affairs, police, and the wealthy. Um, he, you know, and I'm wrapping up here in a second, he relies sometimes on people who have no experience in government. His security man, Keith Schiller, Schiller or his body man, John McAtee, who came from UConn, he was a quarterback down there. He often talks to them, gets ideas on what they think of legislation, what they think of people. Um, we've learned he has difficulty giving up loyal people, as he did with, uh, with Flynn. Um, interesting, we've learned that he doesn't care about the, the 2018 elections, not at all, because he's really soulless in terms of his, what, he, uh, what his, his uh, political beliefs are, and he's really not a party guy. Um, you know, the, the Cook Report last week shifted 20 House seats over to de Democrats based on what the health care vote was. Um, when, uh, you know, 14 of the, uh, of the 23 in, uh, district Hillary Clinton won, those 14, uh, voted with him. So many of those got switched. We've realized that he'll probably try to, as been, as, uh, Obama killed bin Laden, go after and kill the head of Al Qaeda and the head of, uh, ISIS, that this is a real focus. And the last four to wrap up. Um, he will bring his message by social media and rallies, and, and he will remain in campaign mode, okay? He doesn't really see, as an entrepreneur doesn't, he doesn't really see the management and the leadership sides of government. What he sees is the bully pulpit, and he sees as though keeping things in this aggressive uh, mode, is, this aggressive campaign style mode serves his purpose and his ego. Um, We've, we've seen that he does not believe in checks and balances, okay, especially with his criticisms of the judiciary. And um, we, have, uh, we have seen that, uh, that this, this administration is really one big marketing campaign for the Trump, uh, for the Trump companies. And that has, you know, really been, uh, been constant, and he doesn't seem to be separating him, uh, himself uh, here. Um, you know, he, he has done decent things during this time, and I haven't necessarily gone over those, but, uh, but he, this is an administration that revolves around him, that revolves around his ego, that revolves around his limited trust in, in people or as, uh, you know, in the military, um, it, it, 
he, he, he acknowledged in an interview that the one thing that has changed for him is he understands that government has to be about people. And when he was in business, it wasn't really always about the people. But when I say the people, it could be the people he's affecting or the people that he has to uh, work with. Um, he loves the media we've seen. And, you know, that's probably the best way to wrap up. He spends time and, you know, a great amount of time watching the media, reading the media, seeing how his ratings are in the media. He gets only three or four hours sleep. He doesn't believe in exercise, and he has said that in the past. He eats unhealthy. And so this is a, a president who is far different than what we've seen with President Obama, far different than what we've seen with President Bush. Um, accomplishments have been made. He has his checklist, but he is not what your traditional president is, Peter. And you're listening to Conversation here on 94 WIP All Sports Radio. My name's Peter Solomon. My guest this morning, Bob Newman. Spin doctor extraordinaire who's given us all along a perspective on Donald Trump. Today, Donald Trump in the first hundred days. My name's Peter Solomon. Bob, what you're telling me, though, and what a lot of people would say you're telling me, is we should be afraid, very afraid, because this is a man who is unpredictable. It's all about him, and he rules more by imperial decree called executive orders than anything else. Peter, in, in 228 years, one president has resigned, two have been impeached, uh, though neither was uh, was ultimately removed from office, eight have died in office. Um, you know, I, I look at it and say, you know, will uh, will he be impeached? Will or will the 25th Amendment be, uh, be be put into play? By the way, a fascinating thing in the 25th Amendment, which allows the vice president of the cabinet to pull him out. That wasn't in effect until uh, 1967. So if Kennedy had lived and he was sitting in, uh, in uh, incapacitated, there would have been nobody to run the country. So right now we have the ability by either mental or, uh, or physical incapability to take a president out. Do I think First of all, do I think that'll happen? No, I don't. I think that, you know, magazines like The New Yorker can run cover stories as they did last week articulating um, the, uh, you know, that, that, uh, that Trump won't last his four years, and many have said that. Now, the second part, should we actually be scared of him? You know, I believe that there are smart people out there. I believe that your Charlie Dent in Pennsylvania voted against the, uh, the, uh, the Health Care Act, even though he's a Republican. Okay, so he's a check and balance. I believe that your Senator Toomey, who's going to be one of the 10 senators sitting on the committee in the Senate to uh, try to redo the health care bill, you know, is a smart guy who, uh, who is going to act as a check and balance on this. So... I, I do I think that we need to be worried? No, I think that you know h r McMaster and Lisa Curtis, as I just mentioned, and others will protect uh, what's his name us in foreign affairs that you know that McMaster last week had to draw Trump back on South Korea and on the fad missile uh, 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 missile defense system and in paying for it uh, there, so I think that there's enough. You know, there are enough checks and balances on that. You know, if you read George Will in the last week, which is a, a pretty fascinating column, I mean, he really advocates that this man is not fit to be the president of the United States from not only, only a, uh, you know, a, uh, a, a intellectual level, but also from an emotional level. So he leans towards what you're saying here. I personally don't believe it. I think that there's enough structure in the White House. And I believe that they are getting their footing. 
I think, you know, that, that Rice Priebus is realizing not only how to work with Congress, uh, which has saved his job in the last week, but Priebus is realizing how to work with this president and give him the space that he needs to, uh, to give. So I don't believe that the presidency is solely about that individual, the president of the United States. I believe it is really about his administration and the checks and balances in all of our areas of government. And we have a caller this morning. So let's say good morning to Jennifer from Phoenixville. Jennifer, you're on the air. Hi, Peter. How Hi. are you this How morning? Are you? Bye. I'm calling because you say that you're neutral when it comes to politics, and I just, I just feel that you're showing your true colors and you're not when, when it comes to your politics. How is he doing that, Jennifer? No, you. Me. Okay. You're not because you, you complain about Trump constantly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, let me go first. Bob. And, when, and oh, it's, sure. it's quite obviously obvious, especially when you bring this guy on constantly. Jennifer. Well, if, wait, wait a minute. I, I'll jump in there. Okay. okay. I mean, this guy is on, on the show I, I, constantly and it's, it's just caller, becoming caller. unbearable. I'm not a registered Republican. I'm not a registered Democrat. I'm right down the middle, and I analyze. No, you're not right down the middle. I analyze and criticize on both sides. Okay. Uh, No, you're not. No, you don't. At this point, in Japan with Prime Minister Abe, okay, in (laughs) in 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 other countries who are our allies, who worry about what's going on in our country. Caller, this shouldn't be about sport for you. I know we're on WIP. What it should be about is the best of our country, not wins and losses. Let's get to a better health care bill. Let's get to better education. Let's redo our infrastructure. We're analyzing how the individual is doing it. We're not playing the up and down game, the social media game that you all do every day. What we're trying to do is build a better America. And we're all. Oh, I agree. Oh, I agree. Let me just interject. What you're doing. Well, what we're not trying to do, what you're doing is come on the radio and immediately play the Democratic, I mean, the Republican and Democratic game of just assault. Okay? We're trying to analyze, and we can go both ways looking at the Democratic side. Is that what you say you're doing? You're analyzing? Bob, let Jennifer answer. Go ahead, Jennifer. Jennifer? Yes, I can can barely hear you. Okay. Jennifer, what do you want to say? Well, I just want to say that, you know, you you say that you're neutral, and, you know, this is not NPR, and I just, I do enjoy your show when you bring on the other guests, and, uh, you know, I, you know, I, I just want to say it's not NPR, and I enjoy your show, uh, like, when you bring on your other guests, and when you do talk, when it comes to politics, bring on somebody else. Jennifer? I just is a little bit overdone. Okay, I hear Thank that. You. Jennifer, if you can yes. help me find someone who represents another <laughs> point of view, I can't find them. I cannot well, find people. But well, I can't. you know what? I'd be bring me on your staff, and I'll help you. Thank you for calling, Jennifer. Thank you. Bye bye. Bob, you still there? I'm here. Yeah. Okay. I need to say, my opinions aside, I bring on guests that I can find who have something to say. Bob Newman has a lot to say. If I could find someone who is more supportive of Donald Trump and what he's doing and Washington as it currently exists, then people think I'm bringing on. Please help me find them. I can't find these people. I cannot find them. You know, the Affordable Care Act, okay, has a regulation in it that last week had a deadline, okay? That regulation demanded that... Uh, that there was, if you had 20 or more pizza locations, that you put calorie counts on every type of combination of pizza, well over 34 million, okay? So the pizza industry has spent multiple millions of dollars in trying to deal with this, and Secretary Price finally put it off, okay? Do I think that there are problems with the Affordable Care Act? 
Yes, I do. Do I think that Anthem is going, what's his name, is, it was going to pull out Humana and others out of the Affordable Care Act? I do. Okay. You have heard me for years. Okay. And I have an expertise far more than the caller in Mideast affairs. Okay. In Iraq, we didn't support the Sunni opposition. In Syria, we didn't vet the what is we didn't vet the Syrian Free Army or couldn't. Therefore, we created ISIS. Therefore, we created the vacuums for Russia. Do I have criticisms of the Obama administration? I have constant criticisms of of what the Obama administration did of the regulation. During a recent show with you, I listed statistics on what Obama had done to the economy, what he had done in terms of building the regulation code to, you know, 75,000 pages or so, okay? So our, our what we do, you and I, as a team here, when I'm on here, is to try and vet what is happening and figure out is it going in the right direction okay i don't get rnc talking points in the mail i don't get dnc talking points you know every day sent to me okay i'm not going to go either way for the caller's knowledge i've worked for heritage foundation on the right i've worked for a for aei on the right at the same time, I worked for Brookings on the left, and at the same time, I worked for, uh, for the Century Foundation on the left. In the mid-90s, I worked with Americans for Tax Reform and Grover Norquist, and today I have worked uh, on, the, on the progressive side on certain social issues. So I have always stayed 100% down the middle and more pride myself on the fact that what we're doing is looking at how this individual in large part is communicating as I am a PR guy and is putting out information out there, okay? So I, I agree with you when it comes to the caller. If they want to do the volumes of study, if they want to figure out who Lisa Curtis is, if they want to do that, then they should themselves come back with, with ideas. What the caller did, which is destructive to America, is this. She didn't list what Trump's, uh, uh, what the positives have been over the last number of weeks, okay, in terms of regulation and uh, in terms of what he's done in foreign affairs, in terms of uh, what he has done, in uh, you know, bringing 220 jobs to the economy last week. What the caller did was just to strike out immediately. And that's what the destruction of our culture is. The faceless people every day on Facebook and on Twitter who have no power in the world during the day and want to then sit behind a computer and fight back and forth with their quote-unquote friends out there. So come on and come and, what's his name, list what accomplishments are, list what criticisms are, help Peter find alternative guests here, okay? If you don't want to do that, then, you know, I don't see any really positive to continuing, you know, the, uh, the battles. I understand that they live and die on a sports radio station where conflict is often, you know, where conversation happens and where revenues can be kicked back to the parent company. But we're talking about something far more than, than that here. We're talking about the future of our country for our kids and for their grandkids. And I don't see that being listed by that caller. What I see her do is just to, to be out there criticizing. Are there positive things with Trump? Enormously. Are there negative things that have gone on? The style is enormous. And I think what she should do, that caller, is look at the George Will article, look at what others in government are saying, look at what some of the mainstream Republicans are saying, okay? But I think, Peter, what you got in the caller was a clear idea of why Pennsylvania went with Trump last time. The question is, will it happen in four years? And that's what you and I are discussing, analyzing, and, uh, and trying to understand are we in a positive direction 
or, as you said at the beginning when you reacted to me, should we be worried about our safety, economic, as well as security? And you're listening to Conversation here on 94WIP. We're continuing our analysis of Trump's first 100 days with Bob Newman. My name's Peter Solomon, and we have another caller. Let's say good morning to Greg on his cell phone. Good morning, Greg. Morning. Good morning. What do you got a question for Bob. Go ahead. Bob, how many nights have you spent at dinner or after dinner at Mr. Trump's house? How many nights have I spent at Donald Trump's house? Yeah. I haven't spent any days at Donald Trump's house. Oh, well, you said every night he only calls rich white people. So when you talk about Donald, you don't know anything about Donald. What I'm talking about is the list that the chief of staff has given out that his sons have given no, no, out. No, I don't care what you're saying now. What I'm saying is what you said earlier is he sits around and only calls rich white people. Greg, yes, that's what he said, but he's now trying to clarify it. That's his right. Go ahead, Don. Um, uh, oh, but this, this being well, let, me, let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. Did you look at the New York Times article that had, uh, it was a Sunday two weeks ago, on the front page of, of the no, people who he not. checks in with? No, of course not. And, and the of course not is that you don't read the Times because you don't like the Times. Is that it? You're right. Okay, no, no, and I understand that. that. That's that. That's totally understandable. Do you know what? All of his administration. I mean, not you know his his family as well as his administration have listed the people. You know, Steve Roth and and others who he stays in touch with no, by the God, night. All these names. It's all. It never means anything. You also said he's gonna make more executive orders than Obama. How can, how can you say that? So it just proves you're an idiot, dude. Hey, Greg, He's on Greg. a path at this point to be far ahead of, of Obama. Peter, we're, what's his name? We're CBS and we're, we're sports radio makes money is by having callers call people idiots, okay? That is, like, totally irresponsible that's what's wrong with this country, okay? I am as pro on the right side, but what this caller wants to do is just use hyperbole, is just call people names. And you know what? I think that brings down not only the discussion we're having, but more importantly, it brings down who we all are, okay? I won't go after the caller. I'm not going to call them names. But you know what? He's learning from another place, okay, because this caller really doesn't have his own opinions. He's learning from what Trump does out there, which is this bully pulpit of calling people names, okay, of being a bully. You know what? This caller, the question is, does he do that with his coworkers? Does he do that with his children? Does he do that in his community, calling people idiots? What I'd like to see the caller do is list accomplishments now, okay, because there are a bunch of them. But I want to see if the caller can do the, do the opposite of what he's saying to me. He's saying, I'm an idiot. I want to see if the caller has an ability in a non-sports radio-like way to just not call names, to just not get down on people. I want to see if this caller has anything on his mind about substance. Okay. And, Greg, while you've um, discon- we've disconnected the call, um, I need for you to understand something. On other shows on WIP, calling someone an idiot may be appropriate. On my show, my two hours every Sunday, no. I will not tolerate people calling my guests idiots. There are other words you can use if you disagree, other ways to say it. Um, if you're going to call people an idiot, we're going to disconnect you. Thank Listen, you. But, Peter, Peter, this is a cultural thing overall, okay? Let, let me do something that might support the caller, okay? The okay. DNC chairman, Tom Perez has been deplorable out on the stump. 
he has used foul language constantly. He doesn't understand that counter-programming may win him the election down the line. Maxine Waters should be ashamed of herself. She does not belong in Congress for using the word which I won't use on your show that she has used out there, okay? This is not just the Trump side, although he has the ability to suck people in to these type of fights. This is also the DNC side. This is also the Democrats, you know, and, uh, and the progressives and the liberals. Our culture, Peter, has become right versus left. It has become conservative versus Democrat. It has become a, you know, red state, blue state culture. And that's what your callers are showing, you know, here, which is they get their backup immediately. They don't come in with substance uh, and such. And they try as best as they can to just pick on nuance at that point, okay? More executive orders. More executive orders is the the rate in which he is at at this point versus other administrations, and I'm sure he will continue them because Rice Priebus has been known to say, we want him to do this, he likes the optics, he thinks he's involved at that point, okay, but then we're going to go back and we're actually going to try to, you know, achieve legislation at this point, okay? Again, when it comes to the Trump side, I would challenge at this point, them to figure out with a Republican majority in the House and in the Senate how many substantive bills have been uh, have been uh, put through. Okay, and we haven't seen them, so it has been up until now uh, management or government leadership by executive order here. Um, but, but again, to get to the heart of where both callers have been, it has been all about calling names, throwing back, you know, at people. And it is, by the way, a culture that the media has also brought on. As I said, Jeff Zucker, and it was a wonderful New York Times Magazine article at CNN, has created a culture that, uh, that embodies every one of the points of the WWE in wrestling in terms of having people just fight it out during the day and call names. But listen, I, you know, if, if, if the first caller cannot come back with substance in terms of issues, if the second caller cannot do it in a polite way, yeah, I don't think that for this show, that's where, in a public affairs show, and I've done this business for over 30 years, that that's where they should be. They can keep it during the day, you know, with the, you know, the, the, with the Phillies, with the 76ers, with the, uh, with the Flyers, and with others. Absolutely. Thank you, Bob. Um, Bob, I want to ask about a couple of specific things in your reaction. Sure. The group of psychiatrists who thought Donald Trump is... Um, not well-focused mentally. What do you say? Yeah, this is the Yale group uh, there. I, you know, I, I think what you're going to get here is you're going to get everybody who has an expertise, they're going to be trying to tie it to, to politics. I think that they have not, you know, to, to use the, 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 uh, the caller's, you know, assault on me, which is am I with Donald Trump, they have not spent time directly with him, okay? This comes after a, a mass shooting where some will say, what could he have been thinking? And they bring on the psychologist, and the psychologist says, well, I'm not, you know, I have not treated him or a celebrity. I have not treated them. So I find it uh, difficult that, I mean, they're working in very large generalities. Is it worrisome? Yes. Does it work for the narrative of the left? Most definitely it does. But do I, do I think it has a lot of substance that he, is, uh, that he is unstable at this point? No. Donald Trump has been the way he has been his entire life. He will continue to be this way. It will be effective in a, a business and a marketing sense and a development sense, which he's even doing in government. I, I don't worry that he is unstable when it comes to uh, – to to uh, you know to affairs out there. Um, what I worry about, and I say this in jest, uh, Peter, I worry about you know the fact that now you bringing that up, you'll get the assaults from callers uh, for saying that. 
And the switchboard is, in fact, beginning to light up like a Christmas tree. So let's take the next <laughs> caller. Let's say hello to Tony from on a cell phone. Good morning, Tony. How you doing? Good morning, Mr. Solomon. Enjoy the show. Thank you. Uh, I call, uh, first time calling you, and I call often, but uh, I do look forward to the Sunday shows and, and, and getting some knowledge and some foresight in what's going on in our politics and, okay. you know, other areas. Thank you. Uh, I don't agree with uh, the past couple callers where it seems like uh, your guest on this show is one-sided in, in uh, you know, agreeing with everything that's going on. I do enjoy the fact that when he does come on, he does open up topics of concern for people to be aware of, and and that uh, what makes it easy to understand from him is that he lays it out in a point that most lay people can understand. This is what's working. This is was. This isn't working. And uh, I enjoy listening to the both of you guys uh, back and forth with the questions and the answers. I think his insight into both administrations. To, for people to understand that, you know, he he's not bashing Obama or bashing Donald Trump. He's pointing out the faults and the repairs in both organizations as they are as of yet. Thank you. All right. I wanted to just kind of support the uh, the guest on the show and, and say I enjoy his commentary. When Thank, he's you. On and, Thank you. You know Thank what I mean? I, you... There's some things that, you know, your people aren't always aware of because they're probably reading too much into social media and, and not enough news and not enough outlets where they're uh, getting, you know, a neutral, I don't know, what I guess how you would say it, like a, a neutral background information. Thank you, Tony, for calling. I appreciate it. Good morning. It. I hope you guys have a good day. And You, you too. Thank I, you. Thank you. Now, let's say good morning to our next caller, Seth from Media. Seth, you're on the air. Uh, hi, yes. I have a, uh, I have a question as to uh, why it seems that any time uh, our president is confronted with uh, news or, or any type of uh, a fact or a story that is just simply contrary to what he believes, he doesn't take any time to investigate it. He doesn't take any time to consider it. In the past, I think consideration is a big part of being um, a leader in this world, in this country, is having the time to consider people's opinions and consider other outlets of information. And rather than do that, he simply dismisses it as fake. That's terrifying to me. Caller, you know, first of all, you, you, you'll have your day in court this week. You know, Sally Yates will be before uh, the... Uh, the investigation committee on Russia. Um, others will will be there. And he is. Excuse, you, excuse, I'm sorry. Excuse me for just one second. Just to add on to the. Just to, this sure. isn't just about Russia. This is involving no, anything. Any, okay. Right. No, no, no. He is used to. I mean, the, the deeper psychology here is he is used to running an organization himself. I mean, when he said, you know, I, I realize now it's about the people, okay, he hasn't had to deal with them before, okay? He hasn't had to deal, even when it went back to the, uh, the Billy Bush situation, you know, he said, no, nah, I'm not going to apologize on it. And he said, well, we'll put out just a brief one-line statement. And his daughter walked into the office. Okay, and the caller will say from before, how do you know his daughter walked into the office? Right, I, I don't argue the, the semantics. Yeah, she walked into the office, and she started crying. She, her eyes welled up, and she forced him, him to do this. So he is used to, for years, uh, running things on his own and deflecting criticism. Christopher Ruddy, who is the CEO of Newsmax, a good friend of his, and speaks with him often, has been quoted in the New York Times and in other papers as having, having said, I think he did an op-ed in the Times this week, uh, you know, a, a right-winger doing an op-ed in the Times, and saying he doesn't want to hear bad information. And Ruddy often gets calls from people in the inner circle saying, you got to tell him uh, this. And I think that ties in with what his reactions are, that your his delivery is in a, in a PR sense to say, uh, I'm just going to deflect it. I'm going to call it fake news. Trump works, you know, and I know this from, from my background in PR. Trump works very much on just what talking points 
Tommy Tsar. He uses the same ones sure. over and over again. And, and the one he's on this week is fake news. And well, last and he, week. No, I, I agree. But he he also seems to um, he also seems to hit hit words again and again. And I don't know if that's just something that you play into when speaking to the the mass of peoples and uh, to. Um, either you get your point across or hit home, but you, you hear a lot of repetition of the same word, the same verbiage being used over and over again, even for different topics. Um, well, and you, you also know he, he repeats the same sentence twice sure. in a row. That to me is what, and I know presidents have done this, and I understand in a, in a position of power you have to, it, it's, it's important to be able to drive your point home like that um, and hit on key words like that that, that strike chords in people, but in the fashion that he does it is what seems to me, have me and other people question his decision-making. I'm sure, like you had said, he's, this guy surrounded himself with an army of people that are in the know, that know what they're doing, but some of them are the complete opposite of what he said he was going to surround himself with also. So, like, if, if I were on the other side, you know, I would be upset, too, had I voted for him. I didn't, but had I, 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 I'm confused as to maybe why some of these people that did vote for him are not upset, because he said we need to get corporate uh, out of Washington, and he's done nothing but surround himself with billionaires and corporate leaders. Um, not saying that their information is necessarily bad, but it's completely the opposite of what he said. And it's just it's, yeah. it's very confusing. And the last the last thing I want to go, and then I want to let sure. you guys talk, uh, is um, his uh, the the healthcare thing. When they say they're keep, keeping pre-existing conditions, nobody's ever once brought up the topic that um, no nobody has said to these insurance companies with this bill, okay. You have to keep people with pre-existing conditions, but we're not going to put a limit on what you can charge them. And those pre-existing conditions go all the way down to, like, acid reflux. So, you know, that's that, you, to say that, well, people with pre-existing conditions are covered, and then behind, you know, to, to not say out loud, however, footnote, there's no limit to what these insurance companies can charge you for these pre-existing conditions. That's where the, I mean, you know. So go ahead. Thank you very much for your time. I appreciate an open conversation about this stuff, and I think this country needs more of that, less of the name calling. And uh, if we're ever going to get this thing right, people need to learn how to have a clear vision and to, like I said before, consider it, can have consideration for other people's opinions. Thank you, Seth. Thank you. By the way, uh, P- Peter, you know, I was back on your your calls to you two two callers ago, you know, he should know I've done work uh, at the same time in the same project for Governor Ridge and Governor Rendell. So I don't really choose sides there. I also believe that much of what the caller, this caller has brought up in terms of Trump's reaction is a media that is overzealous on him. Two or three days ago, the media reported the story that Angela Reid had been dismissed as the White House usher. Okay. Mm -hmm. What we now find out is the following. The Trumps got along with her great. Angela Reid during the Obama administration was terribly disliked by the housekeeping staff. Okay. The people that she supervised. And this went on and on and on. And finally, they got a new ear and the Trump administration watched her. And despite the fact that the president got along well with her, they, they saw a toxic environment at that point, which they ended. But the media, Peter, really went after him for going at, for firing the first woman or African-American usher, but they didn't tell the full story. So I think the president often will put his hands up and just kind of blow it away. Is that fake news in effect, you know, that they put that out? I don't know if I call it fake. What I call it is a little bit biased. So the news media has kind of played into this, and you know and I know, and I've talked about this with you for years, that they're doing it in part for revenue out there because that creates conflict, that creates interest, that creates discussions like we've had here today. And we have two more callers, Bob, so we're going to have to keep it brief and quick. Let's say good morning to Dave from Cherry Hill. I I want to be brief because the discussion is fascinating by your guest, and I don't want to take his time. I wanted to defend Mr. Peter Solomon. Uh, Jennifer accused him of not having the counterpoint to uh, the the same guest who we've had before. And I remember during the campaign for president with Ms. Clinton that uh, you had him on, and he actually seemed to take a very pro-Clinton, anti-Trump stance, particularly as it was uh, 
his uh, his morals and his uh, ethics and his uh, and and this this side of it. And uh, immediately afterwards, you had a woman who took the other side, and you gave equal time, who uh, gave the conservative side and attacked Clinton. And that's all I have to say. Thank you, Dave. Thanks. All right. Thanks. And our final caller this morning, let's say good morning to Hank from Bordentown. Good morning, Hank. Hey, good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Um, well, first I would like to start off a great, great conversation. Um, very, very good and uh, insightful. Um, however, uh, I, I would like to commend previous caller. Uh, I believe his name was Seth. Very, very good stuff. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. Uh, I just want to comment on um, about how pretty much how it makes me feel as well. Like, it, he, Donald Trump, he kind of scares me with, uh, with this verbiage, um, and he kind of scares me with he, – he, he kind of says all the time that he's the best at everything. He, he's the best. He's, he's, he's the ultimate this and best at this, and he, he downplays anyone that, that opposes him or just has a different opinion. Um, and he kind of downplays that. And there's a lot of things that um, that he said during his campaign that just had me um, like scratching my head about. And then when he, you know, when he wins the election, um, you know, he went in the exact opposite direction with it. Um, the whole America First thing, and I just feel like it's really not about us at this point. Um, it's more like like he's he's siphoning from us, and uh, I, don't, I have no idea where it's all going. But it's just. I just wanted to see what you thought about that um, because you're very knowledgeable and uh, I wanted to see exactly what your opinion was about it. Thank you, gentlemen. You're welcome. Trump, Trump will win and die uh, in first 2018, the midterm elections, and then in 2020 if he runs again on are the people of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, people in Appalachia, people who have uh, who have been down on their luck, people who haven't had a voice. Did he really give power back to the people? And he keeps right. saying that during rallies. He'll, he'll win or, or lose on that. And I agree with you. It's been a great talking point for him. I haven't necessarily seen the power back in people's hands. It still is Washington, and it still is a predominantly white male Washington. Right. right. And, and you know what? And, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, because I don't want to put anything false out. But um, you know, he did say that. Uh, I, I think during this campaign, he said that um, that pretty much like he was against the, uh, what I guess he was he was against the LGBT community or whatever the case may be. And then when he when he wins, now he's you know all for it. Uh, it's just a lot of things they went back on, um, and that that kind of scares me because. When you when you represent the country, at least they're manning your words. I mean, you know what you tell us is what we're what we're what we're going by. So I mean, kind of scares me. But thank you, gentlemen, very much, and uh, I'll continue listening. Great show. Thank you. Well, there's an old saying that I want to tell the caller about, as well as the audience in general. It's an old joke, with some truth behind it. I think. How do you know when a politician's lying? His lips are moving. Um, and then I'd like to say thank you to Bob Newman. Been Doctor Extraordinaire for being with us this morning here on Conversation. Thank you, Bob Newman. Thanks, Peter. Take care. Been my pleasure. Stay tuned for WIP Sunday. If you can't, nothing left to say, but see you soon.